chaos is everywhere. Okay, there you are. Can you hear me? Yep, can you hear me? Yep, okay, we're good to go finally. All right. All right, well, let's get out of the way. Hey, everybody, welcome to Chaos Everywhere. I'm your host, Jonathan Gilchrist. And that guy over there that was late is uh, Mr. Artie Vice. Yeah, yeah, get it, get it, what? Okay. Um, today, we've actually got kind of a, we called an audible. We said on Monday that we were going to do Celebrity Deathmatch. We did watch an episode of it. It was funny, but we didn't think we could really do a good show. So uh, Mr. Vice had the idea to instead watch some stand-up comedy and talk about that. So that's what we did. So, yay! Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Lewis Black. But before we get into him, uh, we said we we're going to start doing AEW Corner. So that's where we're going to start. Uh, I've got stuff that you know I want to talk about, but like, what stands out from you from this week from AEW? So my number, well, well, uh, aside from well, so my first thing is how they pretty much wrote. Well, we'll have to see what happens, but I feel like they wrote off uh, Eddie Kingston pretty fast for, with like the leg and everything, and I think they did that on purpose to set up the Young Bucks joining up with Mox, not not permanently, but joining up with Moxley to take on Omega and the Good Brothers. Okay. Which I, I mean, thought was yeah. interesting. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to do a three-way, that would be the, you'd have to get Kingston out of the way so you could do that. So that's probably, yeah, you're probably right. That's probably what they've done is just sort of given them a plausible out why Kingston's not going to be part of what they're building towards. That's what it felt like because if you noticed, the Young Bucks were like out on after their whole squabble with Omega. They were like on the um, they were like on the ramp for a while, just like pointing at Moxley and like giving the yield nod of approval. Right. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, we'll have to see where they go with it. Um, it might just be a way to like build one match. It's not like the whole storyline. But you know they wanted to build this the three way or not six man tag, so maybe they just need to get Kingston out of the loop for a couple of weeks while they did that. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking might have happened with that. Okay. Um, yeah, that was the that was the big thing. Aside from that, the only other thing that really stuck out for me for that week, aside from being sick and tired of seeing Sting every single freaking episode doing the same exact thing, um, aside from that. Just like I, I want to point out how like how awesome that uh Britt Baker Thunder Rosa match was, right. like Jesus, that was off the chain. Yeah, no, I um, it grew on me, and we all know how I've you know never not the greatest defender of women wrestling, but um, and I was like at the beginning I was underwhelmed, but yeah, they definitely it went went to a level I wasn't expecting at any point. Oof, um, yeah, dude, I was. Oh, I was not expecting Britt ba Brick Baker to take like tax to the back like that. Like, good. No. Do you see those sticking in her back? There were so many. 
Yeah, no, that, yeah, no, it's very surprising. Definitely broke a lot of ground for women's wrestling because at least the entire, the entirety that I can think of, yes, there's been some stuff, but never to that level of like hardcore yeah. wrestling. Yeah, so, no, that was insane. That was so good. Like, yeah. there was a lot of like pretty solid spots there too. Like, not just that, but like, yeah. Um, I believe it was Thunder Rosa, or no, was it? Yeah, Thunder Rosa doing the um, doing the um. I guess it was technically like a Death Valley driver onto the ladder. Yeah, uh, yeah, because she did off like the second rope and hit. Yeah, uh, yeah, Rip Baker went on the ladder. That was good. Yeah, yeah, like that was a really good spot too. Like overall, the match was just like really good. I was really yeah. happy. No, like I, yeah, the match really. The only thing I had against the match when it, going into it is, and I still think this, the rivalry, even though they build it as like it's been so intense I don't think ever got to the level of intense to really I, I told you this before that it made me believe that this was needed you know what I mean but you point out of course that the Kenny Omega thing had uh, Kenny Omega and Moxley had kind of the exact opposite problem where they had the intensity but they didn't have any kind of storyline this one had a bit of a storyline but not as much intensity to warrant you know doing what they're going to do to each other yeah, but I think Moxley like, Omega when they had their match when they had their match like that, like there yeah. was just as much build up for that, if if even less. Yeah, so, and I no, think, I think if anything, this has taught us that roughly a year from now, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa will be facing each other for the AEW Women's Title in an expl- barbed wire exploding death match. Oh, well, hopefully the the explosion goes better for them this time. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so just a couple of things that stuck out for me in Cody and Penta's match, which was really good. The only part that bugged me was the delay in getting Cody help. Like, yeah. it, it took, like, you can you can gloss over the fact it took Arn a minute to get in there because Arn is retired and he can't really, like, fight Penta. But the gun club is sitting right there at goddamn ringside, and they're, like, one of the last ones to get in the ring. To yeah. help Cody, which is what was like really, like I don't know. It's just you have to think about these things logically. And if your friend's getting his ass kicked and you're sitting there ringside, are you really going to sit there waiting for other people to come from the back to help? Yeah, and so, then the hell of it is after all that, to, as a part of like the story and everyone and everything, they're all yeah. giving um, um, Marshall. Yeah, they're all giving Marshall shit. When like they took just as long, yeah. I know it's a part of it's supposed to be a part of the story. Like he took so long, not really caring or whatever, you know, right. to like, extend that conversation. But like they, he came out there only a little bit after the rest of them did. Like pretty much. Yeah, like, I um. It has time too. Yeah, no, it just it was just one of those things. Just it took me out of the moment. You know, it was it was fine. It just one of those things that didn't make logical sense in anything but a scripted show basically yeah. so that's why you have to watch stuff like that um yeah and i and i'll say and i knew it was bad when i was like okay i'm kind of a, like i as you know me who i am am overseeing sting doing an interview every week like i i love sting but we gotta either have him do something else or like we just need more diversity in him if he's going to be on the screen every week of what he's doing. He can't just always come out for an interview. Even his interview, it's not like it, it's not like they're changing it up. It's literally just Shivani standing on the ramp every time, 
yelling, "This is Sting!" Right. I mean, I yeah, I don't I don't know what the answer is because you can't have him doing even like squash matches. I don't think. I mean, you could. No. But I think there's still you know medical concerns, and there should be. But at the same time, they want to get you know use you know use out of his you know star power. I don't know. It, it is a very hard tightrope to walk, but I feel like they have to find out. They have to become more creative and change it up a little bit, or it's going to get even worse. Yeah. And, it's, like I said, uh, it's already just, worse, dude. Yeah, I'm I'm the canary in the coal mine. If I'm saying that, it means you've gone too far by a lot. You need to back up a bit before. Yeah. So. So there's that. Um, That's I, fair I because not a lot of people know this, but you actually have Sting's name like tattooed on your dick. So like the yeah, fact that we, even you are are calling it at this point means something. And it's not even Sting. I have Steve Borden. It's yeah, crazy. exactly. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, obviously, due to the size, it's like really, really shrunken in, and like it's all basically one word. But I mean, still, it's it's, there. it's fine. I mean, there's cursive. It's mo- it's actually kind of initials. You know, whatever. See, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's that. I like. I'm not against anything that happened during that segment. By the way, all that seems okay. I just wish there was a different way to tell the story. I'm good with Darby Allen giving an open challenge to the Dark Order. Yeah, that's I'm fine. good with Brian Cage. You know, maybe doing a face turn. I don't know how well that's going to work, but I'm fine with the idea of trying it. Yeah, um, and I'm even okay with Lance Archer, like. You know, doing what he's doing. It's just to put that all in the interview that we've seen for the last like what six months now. Yep. Same interview. It's, it's the only yeah. thing he's done basically since he's been there. Is that yeah. same kind of interview? Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, trying to think of anything else that stuck like, out. Oh God, me. it bothers me so much. <laughs> oh, I'm trying. Yeah, I don't know if anything else is really registering oh well i want to talk about it because it happened um i knew the name before because i guess somebody's been dropping spoilers like somebody's at the shows telling like putting on reddit what happened so i knew that they named the group the pinnacle before it actually happened on dynamite so man i i like the name i was like okay that that's fine yeah and i think the promo that actually introduced the name was really good so i don't know what were, what were your takeaways from MJF's new group? Dude, I love it. I'm so pumped for MJF to take this next step, man. Like, yeah. God, I'm so pumped. I think man, everybody, uh, his promo was just awesome. Yeah, and Tully Blanchard's promo to like lead it in was really good too, oh, which shouldn't I be a surprise. It. The fact that he is like I like came into this as a part of the greatest group and as in wrestling, and I'm gonna leave this as a part of the greatest group in wrestling. Like that's sick. Yep. Absolutely sick. Uh, I love the throwaway of calling Sean Spears double S. That that made me laugh out loud because I was like, okay, let's go ahead and do that. Why not? God, he's so um, good. Yeah. So I just I want to point out I'm very excited to see what happens. Um, I really do think it's going to be around for a while, but I think you point out that years seem like a weird, like it's probably not going to be years, but I think it'll probably be a while. So we'll have to see what they do going I hope forward. So. Um, yeah, I think that pretty much um, goes over a lot of what happened on AEW. I I did tell you this, and I think it's funny that it, it's 
it shows the change in attitude of the Dark Order that because they've become faces naturally because of what happened to Brody Lee, that um, John Silver has become kind of the, like, if not the leader on paper, like the guy that you think of as the face of the Dark Order. Yeah. <laughs> and just his comedy stick being the face of the Dark Order just really shows you the, you know, the difference in the way that they are being perceived. Absolutely. So, yeah, 100%. Which I'm cool. Right. I, I love Johnny Hungy. I love me some Johnny Hungy. So I love the fact that Jr. has like I guarantee you, Jr. never seen any of those um, bits from Dark, but he just he's glommed on to the Johnny Hungry. He likes saying oh, Johnny Hungry. He's he's all yeah. He is as I would like to say all in. <laughs> oh, oh, Johnny Hungy. Like he probably calls him that the most. He really does. It it makes me it makes me smile every time I hear him say it. So, anyway, um, so yeah, I think that's a pretty good AEW corner. We're gonna obviously do this again uh, next week, but now yeah. we can move on to the meat of the show, the show meat, if you will. Uh, so we watched. I guess it would have been. I don't know. We didn't have the specific day, but it would have been like it was two thousand and one. I think it was probably either 2001, 2002. It was Comedy Central Presents, and it was Lewis Black's episode. If you want to see it, um, you would just go to, if you have Paramount Plus, you would go to Comedy Central Presents, not make sure it's that, not Comedy Central Presents stand-up. It's Comedy Central Presents. It's uh, season six, and it's the only episode in there. So if you want to watch it, go ahead. It's really funny. Yeah. Um, I'll let you start off because it was your idea to sort of break down um, stand-up. So what did you think? Yeah, no pressure or anything. Thanks. No, go ahead. Whatever. It's your idea. Go. <laughs> I don't want to. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't know, man. What do you, like, it's your show. What do you, like, it's, uh, it, yeah. I, so I chose Lewis Black uh-huh. as my as the first choice for this. And possibly only, like, obviously, we don't know if we're going to try to do this again. I guess it depends on how this uh-huh. goes. We might get canceled after after this. Who knows? Um, yeah. But anyways, I chose Lewis Black first because his comedy. I usually I see it as very intelligent comedy. So it allows you it like a lot of his jokes allow you to like discuss about them basically, like talk about what he's, what he's joking about. Um, yeah. So I figured he would be a great choice for this. Since this was also since this was like spur of the moment. Um, yeah. yeah, I just figured like his comedy probably would give us the best bet for, um, for like giving us the most to talk about. I will say a very very close runner up was my personal favorite comedian, Bill Burr. Uh-huh. But um, but yeah, I just figured <laughs> since it was like younger Bill Burr, I just kind of figured Lewis Black might give us might be a little better for for right off. Right. Well, yeah, and, and you did a good job, buddy. Don't don't you know. Don't hate yourself. You did a good job introducing it. That's why I wanted you to do it because it was your idea. God, so defensive. Um, yeah, no, I I love Lewis Black. I've seen this special a few times, yeah, like two hundred times, along with all of his other specials, and I've even seen him live. So yeah, he's definitely a good choice for me. Um, he starts it, it's immediately dated. It's not as bad as some other comedy can be, but he starts off talking about that's your Super Bowl. Which was Britney Spears in sync and Aerosmith, which does sound horrible. It really does. Completely right to say that. I'm pretty sure um, I remember it. Like I don't really, really remember it, 
but I'm pretty sure I remember right. seeing it. Although I would have been like 11 or something. So, yeah, I like I if I could avoid football when I was younger, I did. So I have no memories of any particular Super Bowls in my head. Um, <laughs> but um, I did really laugh because they actually actually um, goes into an ep- episode of the Last Week Tonight with John Oliver that just aired, where he talks about how Super Bowl commercials are like little mysteries because they don't you have no idea what they're selling. Yeah, and and Last Week Tonight showed a video from I think it was like Tyson Chicken. And the commercial has a gerbil go crazy and like attack an entire family, like go for their throats and try and kill them. And the idea is sometimes you don't feel like cooking. Bye, Tyson. Any meals or whatever. Oh my god! Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's crazy. That's exactly what he was talking about. Like you have no idea what they're selling till the last second. So I found that really funny that that's like twenty years old. I mean, Um, Tyson knows what they're doing then to basically like. Use use one of the best parts from uh, Monty Python Holy Grail as the basis of their commercial. Pretty much. The only thing that would have so been better is if the like is one of the members of the family when it first happens just yells Jesus Christ. Oh, uh, I like I don't. It's just it's so weird. I if you if anybody's out there not watching last week, like, check it out just for stuff like that. Um, yeah, no, that was like. Really funny, and uh, what else was I'm trying to like go through his bits. Um, I thought, yeah, I, I thought when he was so I don't know. Obviously, neither of us are Jewish or like grew up Jewish. So if right. if we have any like listeners who are uh, uh who are like who are like raised Jewish, I would love to know <laughs> if this is actually true because he brought up about how like when he was a kid, um, and uh, like ra- being raised Jewish and everything, like celebrating Hanukkah, he brought up a few points that I was really curious I, if they're actually true or not. One, he said that most Jewish families, after like four nights of Hanukkah, basically just call it quits. Yeah, and I was really curious if that was actually true or not because I didn't think that was a thing. Um, I kind of just assumed That's... that like it was like a very like serious thing that was done like all the nights were like a big deal and everything. Right. Um. So go ahead. Like you said, I wasn't raised Jewish, but um, I did spend a lot of time in college studying different religions. And one thing I can tell you just from my family, if we were Jewish, we would absolutely have stopped after four nights. Like the, I could just see my family be like, no, that's enough. We're, we're good. Yeah. And we would just stop. Yeah, no, I see but, that as well. But. but also the other part of it, and I think it's um, something that a lot of people that celebrate Christmas don't realize, is Hanukkah, as far as I know, is not actually the major like holiday for Judaism. It, it's a holiday they celebrate, but they're really big, like the the holiday that is like the, you know, the way we feel about Christmas would be Passover, I believe. Ah, okay. And, which is close for Easter. So that's part of it. Like Hanukkah's sort of like their, well, in a lot of, I mean, if you're in a very religious household, Easter is a big deal. But in my house, like Easter was like, okay, it's Easter. You know what I mean? But, yeah. but Christmas is like fucking Christmas. Yeah. So. Which actually brings me to the other point that I was really curious about if it was actually like, I mean, I'm sure it comes from like a part of truth for him, but I'm curious if it's like (laughs) really as true as he was making it sound like is like when he was talking about as a Jewish child, like going to his like Christian friends houses and seeing like, seeing like the Christmas tree and like all the presents and everything. 
and like being like, oh man, like I wish I like I wish I got this basically. I was curious if that was also true. Like, I mean, I can I can see it on like on like a child's end, but I was I don't know. I was just curious if that was also true. If like, yeah, if growing up Jewish, if you had like a lunch, a lot of like Christian friends that like celebrated Christmas and everything, or not even Christian friends, just like friends that celebrated Christmas. Because at this point, it's not even really like a religious holiday, but like a just a fucking holiday to fucking get presents. Um, yeah, which it shouldn't be, but that's, I mean that's basically what it is at this point. Anyways, um, yeah, so I was just curious if that was another thing that was, if that kind of like jealousy, I guess what I would call it, was like really there. I can tell you it happened to somebody that wasn't raised Jewish because um, now that I'm older, one of my cousins has young children and they're much better off than, you know, financially than I am or my family has ever been yeah. throughout like my whole life. Um, so the last time I went there for Christmas, they had like the whole living room already filled with presents that were already there. And in the basement was the presents that were going to be showing up the next night. And apparently it was like their whole basement was full of fucking presents. That's I'm like, that's yeah, it's, it's just, like I had pretty good Christmases growing up. Like, like I, my parents did their best to like spoil us on Christmas specifically. Uh, yeah. So like I can't really complain, but like yeah, that just sounds insane. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. Like my parents were, we were never well off, but we always had amazing Christmases, and this just blew that out of the water, which is what I you know. So it can happen. I could definitely see, especially if Hanukkah in your house is a back to school holiday, like Lewis says, where you're getting pencils and erasers <laughs> to go up the house. Funny. It's a back to school holiday. <laughs> uh, Oh man, yeah, then, that was really good. And then the next, um, like, because it's in segments, the next segments is um, joke about the end of the universe being in Houston, Texas, where where there's a Starbucks directly across the street from a Starbucks. <laughs> and I love this joke so much; like, I still think about it all the time. But I think my favorite part is like, for anybody that doesn't believe me, go there, stand between them. Look at your watch. Time stands still. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I I don't know if st- like yeah that joke is that joke especially is very dated because that was, it comes from that time period where everybody made that joke. I think around the same time you have Austin Powers, the second one, where they're owned by Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know like what would be the equivalent today, but you can. Uh, you can definitely understand the idea. You think it's still Starbucks? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty I don't sure people don't talk about it anymore. I'm pretty sure Starbucks yeah. is just as big, if not bigger, than it was then. Maybe because part of it's also because of where we live, or where I live specifically. There's like one Starbucks, and the rest is Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, but I know that's not the case basically outside of the Northeast. So that might be part of the reason that I'm not so sold on if Starbucks is still everywhere yeah same here i know i mean i would assume like i think it also depends on where you are because i think starbucks is very much more i would assume at least that it's a lot more in like cities yeah like everywhere in the cities i would assume and then yeah like cities and more like i don't know why but i always i always put starbucks with like more how do i put it like more well off i guess 
places. Yeah. Because you see them in like bookstores. Not not like like I don't know like I'm just now I'm, now I'm just gonna make myself sound like a poor like piece of trash. But um, <laughs> so I was about to say, um, you know better looking places like Barnes and Noble. <laughs> oh, like the fancy places. Yeah, like fancy the fancy places with the with the with the papers with words on them and whatnot. Like the Walmart. Oh, and all the Walmarts. <laughs> That'll make you very trash right there. I, from what I've like gathered, just statistically, I think actually the biggest like purveyor of coffee in America generally is actually McDonald's. Um, and then like oh, yeah, no. it depends on where you are. If it's Starbucks or up up where I grew up around the Buffalo area, actually Tim Hortons was the bigger yeah Timmy Hortons. So Get yourself some Timmy Hortons. Let's go. <laughs> Which I didn't realize until much later is, is about as Canadian as you can get. Oh, yeah. And it only it's just seeps down into Buffalo. So, well, I mean, uh, it's, it was created by a Canadian hockey player. Of course, it's Canadian. Yeah, no, now I know how Canadian it is. But when I was a kid, I didn't, it didn't register to me because I just saw the commercials. And it, nothing about it on the commercials that they aired in New York State sounded Canadian. Yeah. It was only later. I, I'm, I watch a lot of YouTube, and there's like a YouTuber that I watch that is distinctly Canadian, and they talk about getting Timmy Ho Ho's like all the time. Um, it brings me back. Thinking about Tim Hortons brings me back to college. Oh, uh, Starbucks should have brought you back because Starbucks was actually in the dining hall that we both went to college at. Yeah, it was, <laughs> but Timmy Ho Ho's with the uh, with the Cold Stone Creamery was like right across the street. That's true. Uh, those were the days. But um, then the next one is really dated and actually shows you know, like the time period because it's like talking about 9-11. <laughs> and um, actually it reminded me of another stand-up set, which is really fun to listen to, but it's completely and utterly taken over by the fact that it was like literally one of the first things ever done after 9-11, like a few weeks after 9-11, George Carlin had a stand-up special in New York City. Wow. So the first half of that stand-up special is him talking about 9-11 and stuff about that. So, um, but yeah, similar thing here where it's like, this is still funny, but man, this just makes, like, it's so dated and feels so out of place. And yeah, Not as much as you talking about at the end felt very, very relevant to what's going on right now. Right. People taking themselves too seriously and not laughing. That's yeah. Well, that definitely applies through a lot of different time periods, I would say. Yeah, he distinctly was uh, saying religion and patriotism without a sense of humor is when things go mad, and I could not agree with him more. Yeah, I there's yeah. I would love to argue the counterpoint to it, but it, it seems to be completely true. Like everything needs to be balanced with a sense of humor to keep. You know, keep the world going. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, that's a little deeper. <laughs> yeah, I would say uh, I um like I I agree completely. There's um I I forget which comedian it was that said this. I think it it might have Anthony Jeselnik maybe or maybe Daniel Cox. Uh, one of the two of them. So basically, uh, there was a comedian that said like I can't be friends with you if you say there's nothing funny about blank. 
Oh, that was Daniel Tosh. Yeah. It was Daniel Tosh. Okay, cool. And I agree 100%. Like, yeah. you need to have a sense of humor. Like, especially with how crazy the world is, like, you need to have a sense of humor. Like, it's imperative yeah. to make sure you don't turn into a fucking douchebag. Yeah. No, there's, um, well, this goes into a different area, but it, it's sort of the way I've come to view the world in general. Um, there's a type of philosophical thought called absurdism, where basically you acknowledge that the universe is very cold and indifferent. Like, it does not give a fuck about you or your seek for, your seeking for meaning. Yeah, It doesn't care about human life. Um, basically, imagine the universe is just moving along and everything that happens is an accident and there's no, no higher power. And then the idea is, at that point, you have a choice to either try and rail against that or just laugh at the absurdity of there actually being a creature in this universe, human beings, that can try and even seek reason when there is no reason. So, um, that, but that's the point. Then the idea the way to get around that is to basically laugh. That's how you live in that kind of universe with that kind of thought process is yep. you have to just laugh at the absurdity. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's a very deep, you know, well of philosophical stuff and it's not always very pleasant, but that's right. the way yeah. when I sort of look at the universe in general at this point is I just sort of laugh at the indifference of the universe. Yeah. I, I like the main thing I took away from it was just that like, if you don't, like, if you don't have a sense of humor about things, that's when, basically, that's when bad stuff happens. Like yeah. that's when overcorrections of things take place. That's that's when all the like that's when, like the bad intensifies. I guess would be my best way to put it. Yeah. Like bad things are gonna happen, but if you're able to have a sense of humor about them, uh, I I believe that helps make them like kind of like heal. But when you don't have a yeah. sense of humor about them and you take everything just like extremely, extremely seriously and like don't let anything go, don't laugh about anything, that's how that's how like bad things like kind of like pile on top of each other and right. cause like really, really, really terrible things to happen. Right. No, I think we're yeah, we're both it's it's nice to know we're as we have these conversations that we reaffirm why we are friends because we have very similar views on things. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, no, that like um, I think that pretty much covers that comedy special. I did enjoy this. This is definitely something that I think we can keep in our back pocket along with The Simpsons for when we, like I did this week where I just realized, oh shit, I've got no real plan and nothing really clicked. So it's a nice thing to have in our back pocket where you can just be like, Okay, Simpsons episode or okay, comedy special. Yeah, I think so. that too. And I, th I think it's okay for these like, for this kind of a thing where it's like talking about the jokes and how like, how we feel about them and how they and how we like agree or disagree or anything, and how that can like lead into further conversation. I think is like perfectly fine and perfectly valid for this particular kind yeah. of a episode. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know what we're going to do for next week. I know obviously for Monday, we're going to keep going with Deep Space Nine. I think it's episode five. Um, it's a good episode. Um, so tune in that. Um, yeah, we're going to have to figure out what we want to do for next Wednesday's show. 
I honestly don't have any ideas, but we'll have to take it together and see what yeah, we come up with. Part of the problem for me right now is that we're like officially WWE Network is shut down, so we're a little limited in watching older wrestling because a lot of that stuff has not been transferred over right. to the new new thing yet. Um, yeah. Not that wrestling is the only thing we do on this show because we can do anything we want. It's just that has been you and I, especially bread and butter. So now we have to just sort of like decide, okay, do we want to go into movies, TV shows, whatever. Yeah, and it's kind of so, hard for us to do like – well, not necessarily – I don't think hard is really the right word. It Due to our feelings about modern-day WWE, it, yeah. it's not exactly the best uh, – topic for that we necessarily like want to go into um yeah. although i will say well i don't know i was gonna say i mean i really the problem nxt uk in particular i feel like it's something right. that we can watch and thoroughly enjoy because a lot of those guys aren't ever going to wwe anyways probably so we don't need to worry about them getting taken away and right. smashed into the ground um and it's really really good wrestling so, I don't know. I feel like NXT UK is something that we could really get into. Uh, That's true. And but It just occurred to me, we could also do New Japan, because we have... Oh, yeah, New that. Japan now. We could do that. We, we should do that! We should just do that! <laughs> yeah, so maybe that's what... I'm not putting this concrete yet, but we'll talk about small, but maybe we'll be doing some New Japan next week. I don't know what. Japan, but man, that's better anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Oh well, like I said, we'll talk about it and we'll let everybody know. Uh, probably on Monday. We can show you like the original cleaner, so you know where all this is coming from. You know. Yeah, it's true. And you call up on stuff. Yeah, well, we'll definitely. Like I said, I think that's. I think that's a very good idea for next week. So I'm gonna say tentatively, we're definitely gonna do something in New Japan. I'm just not sure what. Yeah. But yeah, so. Join us next week, as we just decided on air. It's not exciting for everybody listening. Then we'll be watch some stuff from New Japan Wrestling. So, woo, woo. Um, yeah. So I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Um, you know, like and subscribe us wherever you can, just because it helps people find the show. Uh, tell a friend, because I think that's going to be our best way of getting more people listening. Is people that listen to us already finding somebody in their life that like, oh yeah, this person will get what these weird nerd people are doing (laughs) oh i'm sorry what this near nerd person is making his very macho and jockey like friend yes uh sit through yes really yes i have no interest in these things i am being forced (laughs) into them against my will uh i mean well i don't want to get too much into it but i did you know promise not to kill your dog if you you know sat through about 100 episodes of my podcast not africans we're like on episode 68 or something, so we're doing quite good. We're almost there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, thanks, Derek Bowman, for our theme song. And uh, join us, like I said, join us every Monday for Star Trek and join us next Wednesday for New Japan Wrestling. Woo! Uh, yeah, and have a good night. I don't think there's anything else I really want to add. Uh, oh, you can follow uh, the show at Chaos Pod Show on Twitter if you want more updates on the show. It's also linked to my Twitter at LastGilchrist1. I try to, if I'm going to say something about the show on either Twitter, I try to make sure I retweet so it doesn't matter which one you look at, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, But yeah, I think that's everything we need to talk about. So have a good night, and we'll see you soon. Rock the socks and kick the box. Deuces. 
Hey everybody, it's Jonathan Gilchrist. I just wanted to hop in here at the end of the episode that you just listened to about the stand-up of Lewis Black to um, put in a quote that I think sort of, um, in a better way, expounds upon what both me and Artie Weiss were trying to say um, when we were talking about his 9-11 bits. Um, we both agreed we liked the sentiment. I just feel like this quote that I found or saw on Facebook from Mark Twain uh, really does sum it up very well. To what we were trying to say. So much blood has been shed by the church because of an omission from the gospel. You shall be indifferent as to what your neighbor's religion is. Not merely tolerant of it, but indifferent to it. Divinity is claimed for many religions, but no religion is great enough or divine enough to add that new law to its coat. And it says here, Mark Twain, a biography is the quotation. So I just really wanted to put that out there. I think that pretty much sums up what we both feel about a lot of things. That's how I've always tried to live my life. I don't... My life code is basically I don't care what anyone else does as long as it doesn't affect anyone else, if that makes sense. I have no right to tell anyone else what to do, and they have no right to tell me what to do. If there's a law that you know says I can't do something, well, that's different. We've agreed that that's a law, but... And just in general, if you're just a private citizen, you have no right to tell me anything about the way I live my life, and I have no right to tell you anything about the way you live your life. Live and let live. I know it's not an original thought, but hey, I thought I'd put it in there uh, and uh, just, you know, give it a nice cap to the show. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and please join us uh, next week for some New Japan. Have a great night, everybody.